Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, powered by Guardian Caps. The Guardian Cap is a leading soft shell helmet cover engineered for impact reduction, worn by over 200 colleges, over 200 high schools, and over 500 youth programs, and all 32 NFL teams. In each episode of the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, I have a treat for you guys and gals today. I'm going to introduce a friend, somebody that has has become very close to me. Um, Our guest tonight is one Chance Potts, and I'm going to try to do him justice by introducing him so um, you can learn. And you're going to want to stick in there for this one, I can promise you, man. This is going to change. We're going to try to change some lives tonight. Um, Chance played football at Missouri Southern, transferred, swam at Missouri State. You know, he's now an assistant football coach with me here at Nixa, um, you know, which is awesome. He also tag teams our mental performance coaching with me, with our team. But get this, this this is the rest of his um, endeavors. He's the co-founder and partner of Employee Benefits Designs, a leading benefit firm in Springfield, Missouri. He also works with one a top international travel and lifestyle club uh, company called Secret, which I'm also a small part of, not Mm -hmm. a uh, large part. Um, And most recently has created and launched a new business and coaching endeavor, One More Benefit, which we're going to get into um, soon. And I'm going to tell you the one thing that, you know, I can say most about Chance as we get going is, you know, he's a lifelong learner. And his purpose on earth is to make a difference in other people's lives. Um, my first question that I want to start with, and I try to start with this every time, what what would you say are some of the main qualities, behavior skills, um, call them what you may, of some of the best leaders that you have been around in all of your different endeavors and businesses and things like that? Wow, that's a big question. Um, yeah, well, first, thank you for the kind words. I, I'm super grateful for our friendship and the fact that we get to work together and we've gotten to know each other over the last few years and work together on a couple of different things. Um, yeah, leadership is such a big word. You know, when you ask that and and over all of my experience, I instantly go back to the word caring and it, it's or or even before that, it's who am I following? You know, it when I think of leadership first and I think of it over my 54 years and the times that I was trying to sort through as a young adult, who do I want to become? Who am I trying to follow? You know, that was kind of where leadership started for me. And when I think of all that experience, it's it's really who am I going to follow first? And, um, you know, in that, as I look at leadership, and I think about anyone I could follow, you know, I go back to my parents first and my mom and my dad, and they were just so different. We may talk about that some, but, um, you know, following my mom, who was very functional and doing the basics on a daily basis, 
or following my dad, who was very dysfunctional in many ways. He loved me and I loved him and I'm very thankful for that. But, you know, that was leadership too. And so it, it, it brings me to that question of what do people care about? And that's what I think of when I think of leadership is people are going to lead in an area that they care about. And so I'm just continually sorting as a young adult. And then into even now, it's like, okay, who do I want to follow? You know, I'm wanting to follow people who care about things that really matter. And, and I, I tend to care about, I care a lot about people. So I follow the leaders that care a lot about people. And, you know, I think of uh, the book Rick Warren wrote 40 days of purpose, purpose driven life. And the very first line in that is it's not about you. And so you know, I just think of caring first. Um, and then I think of perseverance. A leader is somebody who, as I've, you know, gone through life, I've, I've always been drawn to the person who persevered, somebody who maybe it was the underdog, maybe it was something I could relate to. I was bullied as a kid when I was young. And, um, and so I ended up thankfully be, being put in the boxing and boys and girls club back when they had that. And that was huge in my life. And, you know, just that thought of overcoming obstacles. So perseverance is big for leadership for me. And probably the last thing that comes to mind is perspective. Um, just having that 30,000 foot view, having a vision and within that vision, because of where I sit, you know, being a person of faith, of having a vision of something bigger than you, caring about something more than yourself. And, you know, I think if I can follow people who are caring more about other people than themselves, caring about, you know, life in general that's bigger than them, than maybe just themselves, and that they are willing to persevere the challenges that are going to come, um, whether it be the mundane things on a daily basis or the big things that hit us. You know, it's like those are people I'm looking to in leadership is I just want to care about the right things, persevere the things in front of me and have a perspective, um, knowing that I'm always I'm always growing. I'm always learning. But having that perspective of faith as a foundation and then trying to grow my perspective throughout. Let me ask you this. And, and you know, I say you are one of the most transformational leaders that I've ever been around, which is why I'm so drawn, you know, to you and your story. Some people think, you know, leadership is for, um, you know, the chosen few or the people who were born on second base or have a silver spoon, you know, let, let's go back. Like, you know, give me, give me, you know, a quick synopsis of, you know, your childhood, you know, like growing up, you know, like what type, you know, what did you learn from that? What did you gather from that? And then lead that into, you know, the influences that your mom and dad had on you, you know, because, you know, everybody has influences, good and bad, you know, and it is what we make of them that determines our direction, you know. So if you could tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, um, I appreciate that. You know, going back and thinking about that a lot, my dad just passed here this last February and it's caused me a lot, you know, given me a lot of time to to think about and reflect on all of that. Um, you know, started out, honestly, I had two parents who loved me. So I, I look at the glass half full, um, but there were a lot of challenges throughout. And um, early on, when I was about eight years old, my parents split up. It was It was pretty ugly. Um, my dad, especially just creating a fight between the two, it, you know, it was it was very difficult. And I was in the middle of that because he was playing me. And uh, so I, I felt every bit of that. And, you know, at the time, I, I'm just thankful. I, I don't 
obviously at the time I didn't know what I didn't know. I'm hindsight looking back, you know, I realized, man, I just, I wanted to be with both of them, you know, and I was, I was just struggling in that, in that space. And um, I did spend six months with my dad when I was in the sixth grade. And, and I'm glad I did from a football standpoint, you know, I would have, um, I played gosh, football there in the sixth grade was like almost like varsity football is here in, in Missouri. Um, so I got, it, it gave me an opportunity to, to get better at football and came back here, but I only lasted with him six months because he wasn't responsible. You know, he, he did love me and I'm thankful for that, but he was so dysfunctional in his personal and his business life. And, um, so I just remember, you know, I was just watching, right. And I was watching my mom as well. So my mom basically raised me and, and my older sister, Tammy, who passed away about five years ago to breast cancer. Um, and my younger brother, Ty, who, um, he died back in 1994, um, two weeks before my wife and I got married. Ty had very severe cerebral palsy, um, born um, born with that. And so that was another thing that you know, I really struggled with with my dad because early on, um, my dad just didn't know how to handle that responsibility. So he didn't, you know, he did like a lot of men do and he took off and, and just didn't stand up to his responsibilities. And so it really didn't hit me until I was getting out of college. You know, I was like 21, 22, 23 years old. And I realized at that time that I was watching my mom and my dad and others watching my football coach, you know, watching people. We're all watching, you know, and I was just it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I just was like, holy cow, what I just witnessed. My brother was 22 when he passed in 1994. And he had this severe disability that he became like the size of about a 12 year old, a full size 12 year old, big body, really not not heavy, but just, you know, not like a baby. And uh, my mom, literally, I watched her take care of him every day for 22 years. I mean, like a marathon triathlon that is beyond anything I've ever done. And she literally fed him every meal changed every diaper and bathed him almost every day for 22 years. And it just hit me the significance of that. And, you know, it, it gave me both subconsciously and consciously over those years, a realization that we are so much more capable than we think. And so early on, it was tough for me because I really, as I was growing into my career, I really didn't have a lot of sympathy or empathy. It wasn't a good thing because I just, I would compare everything in my mind to what she went through, which is not fair because I've, I've learned over time that, you know, we're all on our own path, but it was such a significant challenge that she went through. But in the day to day, she did the thing, she did what it took. And that has enabled me to, you know, it's like where a lot of people will look at things that I've done and they'll think, from a worldly perspective or fitness perspective, sports, business, whatever, they'll think it's a big deal. And I'm just like, man, that's nothing. You know, it's just really not that much. Whatever I've done is not that much because I realized from her, it was so significant. And then, you know, it really, what stood out was the word perseverance, which comes back to why I answered the way I did with leadership. It's like perseverance is so big to me. And there were a couple of people that stood out after my mom one was a guy named Dick and Ricky Hoyt. I don't know if you remember, but there was a father-son. The son had cerebral palsy, and he would pull him in a raft 2.4 miles. He would push him in a bike 
or he would ride his bike with him on the bike 112 miles and he would push him in a jogging stroller 26.2 miles in the hardest Ironman in the world. And he did it more than once. And it was the Ironman in Hawaii. And I watched this guy do this with his adult size son. Unbelievable. You know, here I swim in college and I'm watching this guy swim 2.4 miles, pulling him in a raft. And there are cutoff times in this. And so I see that and I, I just... I see someone like Nick Vujicic, who is a, a, and maybe you remember him. He's He's got no arms and no legs, right? There's a book, um, um, what, I think it's called, uh, oh goodness, Limitless. No, that's not it. Anyway, I'll think of it. But Nick is a, he's a motivational speaker with no arms and no legs, right? And it's like, how do you do that? And so over, I was just super sensitive. My antennas were always up to the the underdog, the the overcomers, the people who are facing severe challenges. And I just never wanted to waste them. It's like, I don't want to waste the 22-year marathon that my mom endured. I don't want to waste that. I want to honor it. I want to respect it. And I want to go and, and I can't have walked in her shoes, but I can honor it and respect it in a way to go and do good things with it. I can be a good steward of my experience of it. I don't have to be in her shoes to grow from it and to help others with it. And so it was huge in my life and still is to this day. It's truly the most foundational thing relative to perseverance that has helped me get through tough times. Well, let me ask you this in, in the, you know, the high school coaching field, you know, 29 years, been around a ton of kids um so many times people in general will use their circumstances as an excuse and live the life of a victim instead of you know find a way look for the bright spots the cup is half full not half empty you know like it, as you're you know you're you're 19 20 21 22 and my guess is you're not just like the biggest um role model citizen in the world at that time you're you're probably doing some things that you know kids do or young people do like was there any like why not you know like why why weren't you a victim like why weren't you you know like why didn't you give in to those temptations is there you know was there a moment was there a time was there a you know or is that you know were you you know you think you were born with that um desire to be better you know like I know that's a tough question but I'm just I'm, I am curious because there are so many people that use their circumstances as an excuse to not climb to not help other people and that's one of the things that you know draws me most to you because you have had um more than your fair share of adversity but you continue to be as transformational as anybody I've ever been around, you know, like, was there a moment? Was there a time? Was there a person? Was there an event? You know, like what kept you from falling victim to that mindset? Yeah, I, I would, I would say there's been multiple events where I could have fallen and gone either way. And so the first time was, you know, back when I was being bullied, I was, a grade school kid, I was getting bullied significantly where my parents had split up. I was living with my mom in the apartment complex and, you know, just getting bullied. And I wouldn't tell anybody. I was super quiet. I'm an introvert. I was not a good athlete at anything. I wasn't even in athletics much. My dad had put me into Mighty Might football, but it's like wrecked football. And 
I was one of those kids that just showed up and they just put me in the middle somewhere. I mean, I don't even remember where I played. I just remember the pizza party. <laughs> and it really wasn't <laughs> until, <laughs> until sixth grade when I actually played sports, you know, but I grew early. And so boxing was definitely something, the coach that I had, you know, the confidence that I got and then um, being able to, it was coaches. I mean, that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind when you asked the question, it was coaches in my life. It was my boxing coach. It was my sixth grade football coach. It was my junior high football coaches. It was my high school varsity football coach who recently passed a, a year or so ago, who was a hall of fame, you know, coach Bob Price here in Missouri hall of fame, high school football coach. There was a day between my freshman year and sophomore year of high school, this is one of those days I could have gone down the path where it was victim and everything negative. And I was running around the wrong crowd, man. And I'm, I'm just as I take ownership in that. It wasn't me following them. I was also doing those things. And I could have so easily gone that path. And I, I, I did not show up for two a days my sophomore year of high school the first day. And back then we had two practices a day and the first day I didn't show up for both of them. Well, that next morning, my high school football coach shows up at my mom's apartment, comes up to my bedroom and says, boy, get your ass out of bed. You're going to practice. I mean, what if he hadn't done that? You know, I mean, it's just, it's man, life is such a thin thread. Sometimes it's like, what if he didn't care enough? Like that was the caring in the leadership that I'm talking about. He cared enough to come and get me out of my bed to go to practice, which then led me to be able to play my sophomore, junior, senior year, to be able to play college football and get a scholarship. And, and, and which even that led me to then be able to swim because nobody in my family had gone to college at the time. And so I didn't know what any of that was. So after I'd played football and I realized, man, I want to give this a try. It was different. It was much harder for me. And I had the opportunity to change sports. I did that, but it was, it was coaches, but there have been other times along the way. We probably don't have time to get into all of them, but there's been so many times along the way in life where I could step back and follow the dysfunction, say of my dad or someone else or my own thinking for crying out loud. You know, it's like, I'm, I could easily follow something I want now versus what I think I may want down in the future. And so I was just always this hungry, you know, it wasn't an impressive thing, but it's like in business. I remember early on in business when I, when I went self-employed, I was a sponge. Like there's nothing sexy about a sponge. I was just a sponge, man. I just wanted to take in the best stuff from the best possible people so that I could get there. And, and I just, and I married into a phenomenal family. So, you know, my wife, you know, my family, and uh, that was a big turning point. I mean, when I'm married into a family that they're not perfect either, we all have function and dysfunction in our families, but that family prioritized, especially the grandparents, Sherry's grandparents, Papa and Mama, we call them. Mama's still alive. Papa passed about a year and a half ago, or no, a couple of years ago. They truly lived out what they said was most important. Like if we asked you, hey, what's most important? And I was asked that in my mid-20s by a pastor. And he's like, well, I can tell you what's most important. Show me your checkbook and your calendar for the last 90 days. Mm -hmm. You know, it's how do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? Yep. And I was watching Papa. I'm like, this dude spent his time and money like what he said was most important to him. It was his faith, family, and friends. And he did well financially too. He didn't sacrifice one for the other. You know, I said, I think sometimes, and that's what I was really looking for was I wanted to have a fit, healthy 
vibrant life that we could live and give to other people. I wasn't looking for just financial fitness and I wasn't looking for just health. I, I wanted, man, I want it all. And I think God created us that we can have an abundant life and, and, and ha go to the next level and all these things. But it was my wife's grandfather that personally set that opportunity to go, okay, here's something different than my dad, like totally different. And I'll end with this on him. You know, we just finished our 31st annual vacation to Gulf Shores, Alabama as a family with five generations that have gone on that trip every year for 31 years. You cannot put a price tag on those memories and experiences. And it was her grandparents that led that, that said, look, our family matters. We're going to stop. We're going to make memories. We're going to go take this time and we are going to spend time with what we say matters. And, and in benefits, insurance and investments, the world I've worked in for the most of my career, I watch people work their life away. You know, they literally work their life away and they either don't make it to retirement because they, they die before, or they get there without the money they thought they were going to have, or they get there without the health they hoped they'd have, and they don't get to do all the things they hoped they were going to do someday. And so I've been able to, on the outside perspective, look at that and watch people and go, okay, I'm going to learn from this. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to watch this guy here, Papa. And it's like, you know, over half of the marriages in our country fail. And I come, Sherry and I both come from parents we both love. We have great parents in many ways, but they both divorced. So we're going to inherently subconsciously think that's a natural possibility for us. But we're looking at the grandparents. It's like, that's leadership. They cared about faith, family, and friends. So you know what? We said, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going to be perfect at this. We're going to struggle with it, but we're going to care about faith, family, and friends. And, and that's we see that vision of, of us being the grandparents, the great-grandparents, maybe even the great-great-grandparents, and doing these trips for many, many, many more years. So there's been a lot of points where I could go backwards. Heck, tomorrow could be one of them, <laughs> but, but I don't plan on it. Well, one thing that is a fact is next to accepting Christ into your life, who you pick as a soulmate has got to be the next most important decision in your life. And Sherry is uh, probably going to take credit for everything that you've done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Without her, <laughs> you probably haven't done anything. And, you know, like she is the rock star of the family. So I'm going to, I'm going to give her credit for that for sure. Well, and, and actually more than you realize, I, I did, I used to say this all the time and I've said it in many, many business presentations when I help people who want to become self-employed, especially in the travel space. But, you know, I'll tell people the most important money we ever made was the $18,000 my wife made when I went self-employed because I made nothing. And I've kept all my tax returns. The first year I made $8,000. Wow. And, um, you know, she made 18,000 and my money coming in wasn't guaranteed. So she, we wouldn't have what we have if it wasn't for her. And I used to say that a lot more frequent now, just reminding me, you know, that I need to say it again more often, sure. but it's true. I mean, she made, she made what I would call the kind of money like my mom made. I mean, she did the blocking and tackling, you know, you and I've talked about how much respect I have for linemen who don't get the, don't get the attention, right? Nothing happens without that. Nothing, no scoring in life, no scoring in a football field happens without that. And that's what my mom was. But my mom was the offensive lineman, third string, never saw the field. Nobody ever knew, except for the very few people in our circle. And she inspired me to be like, man, I want to go help 
thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not millions. I mean, it, you know, in the today's internet world, we can help however many people want to be helped. But Sherry and her family, there's no doubt, man, I wouldn't be where I am without her. And I wouldn't be where I am without what she has as that core, you know, element from her family. Well, y'all are both um, pillars of the community and, you know, have done a ton for people in this community. And a lot of which you probably don't even know, which is going to lead me into my next story, which is going to lead me into. Guardian caps are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment. Probably a little tougher topic, but um, uh, again, I think it's two years ago. I have a... a little girl in my uh, weightlifting class um, that gives me an invitation to her grad party. Well, I bounce up in the grad party because it's free food, right? So I'm like, and they're always pretty good food. And I did, I really, really like the girl, uh, outstanding student athlete. Well, while we're in there, I see this ball-headed guy across the room and I'm talking to the little girl's dad. And I said, is that Chance Potts? And it, he said, no, that's not Chance Potts. He said, but let me tell you something about Chance Potts. And this grown man starts having tears comes to his eyes as he is talking about Chance Potts. And he says, you know, I want you to know something, man. That guy has been such a role model and an inspiration to me that I think about him every single morning when I wake up. I think about Chance Potts. When I come home from working, you know, a 12-hour shift, and my son says, let's go throw the football or the baseball, or in his case, it would have definitely been a baseball, right? Um, he he says, you know, even if he don't feel like it, he's like, yeah, let's go throw. Or his daughter comes in and wants to go hit, you know, at eight o'clock at night and he's tired. Um, yeah, let's go, let's go hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it was, it was moving to me to see what you meant to him, you know, and as I dove into the story, I know now, you know, a, a lot of the story. Um, so let's go back. Let's and, and you can start wherever you want to. I, I'm pretty sure the date was November the 26th, 2014. It was the week of uh, Thanksgiving. Um, you know, that week, describe that week, leading up to that week, what happened um, on that day. Yeah. Well, and and you shared that with me, you know, about uh, the other dad at Nixa, and I I didn't know that, and it just, you know, I'm taken back by it, but I'm I'm, you know, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say about that, but um, you know what's what's interesting is a few weeks prior to that event, I woke up on a Saturday morning overwhelmed um, with gratitude and. You know, I've had a pretty good perspective, I think, just because of my mom and my brother having such a severe disability. I've always been grateful for my health and physical abilities and mental abilities. And um, but that particular day, you know, two weeks before that event, I, I woke up just overwhelmed with gratitude. And it was super early and I get up really early now, but it was about that time then. And 
Um, and I just wrote down on yellow eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, you know, every line front and back, just all the things I was grateful for and just had so much. And, you know, then my, my wife and I ended up taking a, a vacation with the travel business we were working with at the time. And the topic or that this was actually a little bit of a blended training and travel vacation. It was to California and it was called Mastering the Art of Living. And that was a, a trip to go learn, you know, not just how do you become successful in business, but how do you become successful in life? And it wasn't about overcoming obstacles. It wasn't really about that. It was more about how do you how do you handle the successes and not let them sink you um, in other ways. Right. And so we get back from this trip and three and a half days later, my um, it's the night before Thanksgiving my wife gets a phone call from a very good friend of ours. And, and this, this evening our you know, that evening, our whole community was rocked and uh, she gets a phone call and they say our son Landon, um, who was 17 at the time had been in an accident. There were multiple boys in the truck and they didn't have a lot of other details for us at that time. And they just said they were South of Nixa and you know, sharing what they could share. They didn't know everything either. And so we're, you know, we're somewhat calm, somewhat frantic, a little bit of both, not really sure. We're thinking it's just an accident. Everybody's okay. We're going to, you know, we're going to figure out the details, get there and sort it all out. Right. And so we hang up and and we get in our car and we had, and we're just like, we don't even know where we're going. I mean, we're drive from our town, our, you know, into town goes. Um, and as we're heading into um, Nixa, we see an ambulance go crossways against us and it, it's going south and we're like, all right, that must be going where it's going. And so we follow the ambulance and it's about a good 15 minute drive south of Nixa. And, you know, we're just quiet. I mean, I'm I, I'm literally praying the entire time. Um, you know, we get we get to the accident and, you know, you just can't imagine um, there's just lights everywhere. I mean, there's uh you know, highway patrol, fire, paramedics, they, we, they thankfully will not let us down to the vehicle, a very steep hill um, road that they were going down that, that was not marked and they were going too fast on that road, but it was, it drops off. You can't see it. It's complete black because it's dark outside. There's no lights and there's no 90 degree turn arrows. And so they went down this road a little too fast and couldn't make the turn and went off to the side. And, and so the truck hit a tree. There were eight boys in the in the accident, so it wrecked eight families. Um, we were one of them. We pray for those families. We're very close to a lot of those families, and uh, there were four families that lost their sons that night, and four who did not, which we were extremely thankful for. But we were there at the event, and uh, or at the accident, can't get down there. You know, just don't know what to do. Don't know who's who's okay, who's not. And it was a while. I mean, it was a mess. You know, there's a helicopter down there and it was a mess. And so somebody came up the hill. I don't remember who it was. One of the paramedics, one of the police, something. And they, you know, they're talking to the different parents and they come up to us and they said, um, you know, we're very sorry, but Landon didn't make it. And my wife, you know, turns to me and, you know, grabs me probably harder than she ever has. Um, and her immediate words to me were, um, this cannot break us. And really, without thinking at all, um, I immediately said back to her, we can't add anything negative to this. 
I don't think we said anything else for quite a while. We really just stood there and held each other and cried for quite a while. We didn't know what to do. I mean, what do you do? You know, you're standing at the top of the hill. Um, you're given the news about your son. You feel for everybody, but you're just, it's just overwhelming. You, you know, it doesn't seem real. And you're, you're kind of frozen. You know, you just don't know what to do. We stood there and held each other. I don't really remember a whole lot else from that um, from that scene, honestly. We may have talked to a few people. I really don't remember. Um, I just remember pulling in my driveway. And there were people at my house. We had to walk in and let our family know, let our, our other boys know that Landon did not make it at the age of 17. Um, I did get to talk to Landon right before he left the house. And, uh, last thing I said to him was, I love you. So, you know, there's a lot of things we have unpacked from that night, um, and still do, but, you know, we focus on being thankful for the 17 years we've had and they were phenomenal. And we made a lot of memories and Landon was an awesome son and, I think we tried to be the best parents we could be and, you know, we definitely weren't perfect, but, um, you know, we're just, we're blessed. And, uh, yeah, you know, we just, it was for a while there, honestly, the first, I don't know, 90 days, six months, maybe a year. It was like a fog. I mean, it was just, I, you could call it autopilot. I call it God pilot. I mean, I just literally, my prayers got so simple I, all I prayed was, God, just please fill me and flow through me. And that was it. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how long I prayed that prayer, but I prayed that prayer for a long time. Um, other than, I do remember this, man, this was crazy. You know, our family was struggling so much with this because our family is very close and uh, everybody was struggling with it, you know, rightfully so, right? And uh, holy cow, I mean, the, fir the next few days to the service to the, I don't know, three days, four days, five days, whatever it was, you know, the next day's Thanksgiving, right? I mean, it's Thanksgiving of all things this is the next day. And you try to go through that. And, and I'm being asked to lead the family in prayer. I mean, if the pastor's not there, that's that we're good friends with, it's like, because Papa can't talk and neither can anybody else. And I'm just like, inside, I'm like, are you serious? Right. You know, but Somehow I got through it and yeah, it was pretty, probably pretty short, pretty simple prayers even back then. But, but we have maintained, I mean, it's, it's different for, for moms and dads. I mean, we, we have different grief. We've realized that. And uh, it is very different. It's significant for both of us, but yeah, a lot of lives were um, impacted in the Nixon community that night for sure. Yeah. I, you know, having been here for three years and, you know, hearing the stories and I know, how big of an event that was for a lot of people, you know, it was, yeah. you know, it was a tough night and I, man, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think the last time that I had tears in my eyes and I don't, it was a long time ago, you know, but I know how hard that is for you. I know how hard that is to bring that up, but you know what? That is why that parent, said what he said and had tears in his eyes was because from I you know and I don't anybody that's listening I can't see how there's anything worse than that 
in this, you know, world that we live in, you know, having two kids of my own and, you know, our first grandkid, like I can't imagine there's anything worse, you know, like if it is, you'll have to inform me. Okay. But I don't know either to be able to come through that and to be as transformational as you and Sherry are in this community is special because I think, you know, the statistics say even, you know, a lot of people that, you know, go through that end up in a divorce or, you know, life spirals out of control for them and they turn to, you know, substances or whatever. And, you know, like there's a part of me that's hard to blame them, you know, like, but, you know, the both of you have, you know, come through that and continue to make a difference in this world and do not use it as an excuse, you know? And that's why, you know, it's kind of what I love about you is nothing is an excuse, you know, like you're not going to, you're not going to come up with now, let me, and we've talked about this before being able to, you know, and I know, you know, that I know that was hard. I know that, you know, it probably was a long time before you could, you know, make any sense of it, but to be able to, you know, make the statements you made that night, you know, like we're not going to add anything negative. We can't let this break us. You know, was there anything, you know, what, what how do you get through that? You know what I'm saying? Like what, what did, you know, because you are a, you are a growth minded. And my guess is even before that event, I mean, you were on a trip that was part vacation, part growth. You know, do you think all of the intentional growth, you know, helped you get through that? That's a great question. It might have had some impact. I'm sure it's better than not having it, without a doubt. It's better than not having it. But the biggest thing that stood out to me instantly was my family is watching me. Mm. You know, no doubt. I, I no my, doubt. Yeah, my wife and my boys are watching everything I do, and I was watching my mom, so I knew that. You know, it's like they are watching me every moment. They're watching me, and no matter what, I don't. I don't. I mean, I can't make it positive. There's no personal growth that you can turn it around and make it positive, right? It's right. the hurt is there. And I'm, I've learned to be thankful for the hurt because I loved him so much. Sharing, I loved him so much that we hurt so much. I'm thankful for that. I didn't know that immediately, but I knew immediately my family is watching me. I had no idea what to do. I mean, I was so overwhelmed and in a fog. I didn't know. I mean, for me, I just turned it over to God and I just said, you know what? I am going to take one step at a time. And just like you teach 1% better every day, I didn't know that at the time. I just said, I am going to take one step. I'm going to make one decision. I am going to stand every day. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do life every day, however I can do it, because they are watching me. And, and then over time, I've been able to learn from the significance of that that you know what, it doesn't make any sense to add negative to it. I mean, we do that all the time. I do it, I'm human. There's silly things sure. that frustrate me and I'll make them worse, right? By how I respond. 
So there's, I, I get caught up in a lot of small things and I've got so much, I dive into personal growth and you know, I've talked about this because I need it as much or more than anybody else, man. I could easily go down the other path. So, sure. so easily, but I just learned that, you know, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, something so devastating that you can't even put into words, the level of hurt. It's like, how does it make sense to add negative on top of it? So it's like, I can't turn it around and make it positive, but I can sure as heck not stack more negative on top of it. And then the other things, as we learned and we were trying to get help, let me get a drink. As we were, you know, we were seeking help through this and sure. groups of people and different things we tried to connect with and other people who'd lost children. I'm learning from them as they go through it as well. Other people who'd lost children. And it just hit me, you know, it's like, it's so powerful to forgive in advance. And so that was something that, that hit me as we were going through this journey because there were so many people that lived in anger because of the loss of their child. And I, I understood that. I really did understand the feeling of that, but that's not where I wanted to live. I didn't, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to do, but it wasn't where I wanted to be. And it's like, I thought, man, how powerful is it to forgive in advance? And what I mean by that is people would get so upset by what someone would say to you because they didn't, and they didn't know what to say, right? I mean, before sure. I lost my son, if anybody else had ever lost their child, I don't know what to say to them. I mean, I care for them, but I could easily say something so stupid, right? And people will say things to people who've lost children and, and or any situation. And I think if we can just forgive in advance and understand they're not coming from where we're coming from, that was powerful for us, I think. Um, Sherry and I together definitely grabbed a hold of the gratitude. Not that it transformed us. Sure. We just, we just said, man, we're going to do everything we can to cling on to that one perspective. That is, we're going to be grateful for the 17 years we had. There's a lot of people who don't have 17 years. that They don't have 17 days or they don't have a child at all. I mean, there's just so many blessings yeah. in there. And that perspective of Landon would not want us to go sit in a corner. You know, if I died tonight, I don't want my family to go sit in a corner. I want to, if they love me and I know they do and they hurt because of that, that's awesome. Be thankful for that hurt because they love me so much and I love them so much, but don't go sit in a corner. You know, I would want them to go live. And I Landon became a rodeo kid, a roper, really good one. Every day he would rope anything he could rope. And Landon would tell us, man, he'd be like, go rope. Whatever your roping is, he, he would be telling us every day. And I think that gave Sherry and I also gave us an energy that was like, you know what? That's right. Landon lived. I mean, he was living all out and he would want us to do the same thing. So all of those things, as well as probably more, they really helped us a lot. Man, that is awesome. And I, you know, I think, you know, the key word that you said was God, you know, like God mm -hmm. helped y'all, you no know, doubt. get through that. And, you know, that leads me to this. Tell me what you think about this verse, okay? I just I just so happened to pull this up, okay? It's James 1, 2, and 4, by the way. Two, two, <laughs> Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Tell me what that what that verse means to you. Yeah, well, that's that's a powerful verse for me. It's my favorite verse. It's been that since I gave my life to Christ when I was in my uh, mid twenties, and uh, 
you know, initially I, the Bible was so tough for me to read. I just couldn't understand it. Um, it was, I wasn't ever very smart, honestly, um, never read until I got out of college and, uh, the Bible was intimidating. I mean, it was just hard for me to understand. And the book of James is where one of my pastors led me to. And it's like, wow, this, I can make sense of this. This is, this makes sense. But on, on that one, pretty simply, the word perseverance stood out. It wasn't anything real deep, you know, spiritual at the time. It was just, I could relate to it to my mom at the time in sports. It was like the underdog, Rudy at Notre Dame, you know, it was all those cool stories, Rocky. And it's like, that's what it meant to me. But then over the years, and even before losing Landon, although it, it you know, took that to a whole nother level, I was learning, God was taking me through a journey of learning that verse in reverse. And it was kind of like perseverance. Then in the middle, it's kind of like, you know, you got the trials, which you're realizing, okay, yeah, we're going to have trials in life. That makes sense, you know, and I still hadn't really read the first part very clearly. And so then you get to the beginning of it and it's like, man, how do you do that? How do you, how do you consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds? And the only way is faith. That's the only way I don't, you know, and that was where I saw a difference between people who did lose children and didn't have a faith and, and where we stood was they didn't know where to turn. They didn't have a hope to turn to. And we did. And so that consider it pure joy was what I realized. It's like, you know what, these trials are, our tests become our testimonies. And I didn't want that one. I mean, I, I sure. was teaching things like desired adversity and undesired adversity in my coaching back before Landon ever passed in, in business, teaching the concept of, you know, we, we put some of us who want to get better, we put challenges in front of us, whether they be physical challenges or business challenges, whatever the case may be, to be a much better coach, be a better business owner. That's a desired adversity. But then we have all these undesired adversities that come along. And at the time I was thinking of the small to moderate ones, or I was thinking of my mom's and it's like, okay, how do we consider it pure joy? And the only perspective I could come up with was God. That's the only way. You got to have perspective that this is bigger than us. Um, Christ came, saved me for my sins because I could, man, I mean, if it weren't for that, you know, I don't, there's no telling where I'd be. And so Amen. I'm thankful for that first and foremost and beginning and ending of every day, but uh, I'm still a major work in process. We all are, but you know, it's hard to um, comprehend how, you know, how do you overcome extreme adversity without faith? You know, that's, that's, I've always wondered how, how one can do that. All right. I really got two more questions. I know we're pushing, we're pushing on the time. This is my, this is my first question. And I had a, a friend ask this to another uh, person that I talked to leadership most times is you know, caught, not necessarily taught. What do you want your kids? What do you want your wife? What do you want your grandkids? Like, what do you want them to catch? You know, you said, you know, your kids are watching, like everybody's watching. Yeah. Okay. What do you want them to catch from you when you are, you know, gone? Mm. You got me on a, a tough one, huh? I love it. <laughs> so the first, yeah, that's great. First thing that comes to my mind, I, I, I've not really filtered this comment, but I'll put it out there. Um, you know, life is really not about me, but my life has everything to do with me. And so what I mean by that is 
you know, going back to that caring, it's like life is about so much more. I want kids, I want my kids, my wife, my kids, grandkids, family, others that I, you know, that may have a benefit of influencing to just realize that there's so much more out there that we can care, you know, about other people. And, and as we do that in whatever special way we can do it and in the ways we've been gifted, whether it's our skill set, our personal life, our professional life, we've been given an opportunity to take who we were, you know, who we've become and care about people in such a special way that help them in some way. Right. And it's just life's not about us. So I think that's the first thing is I want my kids to know that life is not all about us. It's really, you know, it's about it's much bigger, right? It's and, and it's faith and God and having that personal relationship. I do want all my family and friends and people, anybody I can come into contact with, I'd love for them to know Christ as their personal savior. Um, you know, that's, that's that. Um, you know, the other thing that is definitely a part of me that I think probably is happening now more than it probably used to, but is personal growth. You know, it, it's, uh, that is so important. If you're going to be good for other people, you got to go be good to you first. And I go back to the single mom, you know, so many single moms or single parents or, or great parents, they give everything to everybody else and they're never kind of filling their own tank and they're working on fumes and they do a phenomenal job. I mean, God's done amazing things on how resilient he can make us. And, um, but I do believe if we can become better, we can do that much better for other people. So it's kind of like the um, the thing they say when we're on a plane, I love travel. So you're on a plane, they say, hey, look, if the cabin loses pressure, who do you put the oxygen mask on first? You better put it on yourself first before you put it on your kids, right? Because neither one of you are going to make it if you don't put it on yourself. And, and I've just studied and listened and learned enough that over time, they are caught more than taught. So it's like, they're going to do what I do. I could sit there and say, to my, my daughter, my grand, I have a granddaughter now, I don't have a daughter, but I could say, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, her entire 22 years of life. But if every time she sees me look at a picture of me and I say, oh, how ugly I am, I, you know, I don't want to look at me in a, you know, she's going to think, she's going to duplicate the way I think of myself, not what I'm telling her to think. And so my boys are the same way. I want them to know, look, it matters. Take care of the body, the temple that God's given you. Do your best with it. Be the best steward you can be of your, your spiritual health, your mental health, your physical health, your relational health, and your financial health. Those are the five areas of fitness that I personally measure on a regular basis. And, and so I would probably say beyond, you know, I would say first it would be, you know, what I talked about. And then second would be personal growth. And then third would be, um, yeah, it'd, it'd be it'd be growth and giving. It's like, you, you know, we're always more capable than we currently think. And I just hope they can they can believe that about themselves and that they can not only go grow themselves, but they can experience a life that when they're pouring into other people, be it their kids, their grandkids or others in whatever endeavor they go into, if they can ever experience the the true joy that comes from helping other people grow, whether it's their profession or not. I think if, if that could be there, and it could be in such ways I can't even imagine, right? It could be in their own path, their own experiences, but when they have a perspective to say, you know what? I'm most equipped to serve the person I once was, right? So my past, whatever their past develops into, I hope they can take that 
and use it in a way to not only grow them to be better, but help other people be better in whatever it is that they do. I think those would be the three things that I would hope to to pass along. Well, I would say you're well on your way, knowing all of them and you and your family, you're you're being successful toward that. All right, let's do this. We ain't gonna get out of here till we talk about one more benefit, right? The new <laughs> the new venture that yep. you're into that um you know, I would say, I guess two years ago, uh, you know, as a as a effort to try to improve our football team, you know, like what's the next big thing? So, you know, 25 years ago, it was the weight room. If you wanted to get an advantage on somebody, be better in the weight room. Um, today, that's not an advantage. Everybody's lifting weights. There's nobody out there that's doing it much better than we're doing it. OK. And everybody's doing it. And then 10 or 15 years ago, it was culture. It was, you know, let's start teaching uh, behavior skills in a classroom setting so that we can get our kids to go out there and perform better with more discipline, you know, more awareness, more effort, whatever. Okay. But now I think that a lot of people are actually teaching culture, doing a better job of that. So my thought was, and I don't know really where it come up with, was mental performance. You know, like some people say mental performance is 5% of the whole equation, you know, with physical, technical, ta tactical, all that stuff being more, but that 5% mental drives the entire body, right? It drives the entire performance. So, you know, we jumped into the mental performance, got certified through Brian Kane's deal, um, have been through the Amber Selking book. You jumped on board. I offered it um, really the, the, to everybody as a chance to, you know, better themselves. But I had a great idea that you'd probably jump on board because of your growth mindset. And you went through that. And that's kind of, led us to teaching our, you know, our team two summers in a row. We've taken them through a eight to 10 week mental performance skills, um, you know, routine. And now one more benefit. Tell me what one more benefit is and where is it going and what are we fixing to do? Yeah, well, I'm so thankful again that we've connected and that you did, you know, that was really your initiation with the football team. And, you know, we had the idea together of, hey, let's offer this to the parents. And that was kind of an interesting spin because, you know, the parents have them more than we do. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, we want to teach the kids mental performance, but that's the two hours a day we've got them. But what about the 22 hours a day we don't have them? So let's go to the parents and remember our first offering. We did it for them. And, um, I, you know, and I that was powerful. The feedback we got, you know, was awesome. And so then we go to the kids, which is awesome. Great experience. We can tell it's making a difference, right? I mean, to varying right. degrees based on sure. how the kids apply it, but it, it really was and is the difference maker in, in somebody going from great to elite or elite to even better. And a lot of, and a lot, thankfully we were gifted to have a lot of kids and families that want their kids and the kids want to be great. So you know, then you go outside of the sport and, and then we have the coaches, right? And our own and our own coaches have had significant challenges in their life um, off the field. Sure. And so here we are going through mental performance, which it all applies on and off the field. We're teaching our kids that very same thing. And then we have the benefit of our coaches learning it to the degree they plug in and the parents and you know, I just realized that it's like, man, everybody needs this. You know, we're I'm in a group with Ed Milet and Andy Forsella where I get coached by them. And and I've, I'm a big fan of Ed's book, The Power of One More. And that's where one more benefit came from. It was like I've been in the employee benefit world for 28 years. 
And I read his book, listen, you and I are, I mean, we're pinging stuff back and forth all the time, right? You're a huge part of this. I mean, this, this is, this, this is all coming about by us working together and realizing, yeah, everybody does need this from other coaches outside of Nixa, outside of Missouri, to um, other athletic programs that have reached out to us for help or reached out to you. To I did a pilot group with 17 HR professionals, and you helped me where we we co-led that with them. They did every session with us. We did an abbreviated mental performance, called it mental fitness training, and they loved it. We got phenomenal testimonies back from them on it. And, you know, just that that position is unique in HR. It's like it's sandwiched between the executives of a company and the employees of the company, and they get pressure from both sides. So it's like, man, who, who needs mental performance more than them in the workplace, right? So we call it mental fitness, um, get great feedback from them. We're able to learn through it. Then you and I offer it to a couple of different groups. And it's like, man, we got 92 and then 118 people signing up for this. And we're going through it and getting better each time. And we're just finding that, and no surprise, I think we knew this, but we just didn't know the connectivity this was probably going to have and how it was going to grow legs like it did. But people are busy, they're stressed, they're overwhelmed, they're struggling in their health and fitness in every area of life or, or you know, very few have it all going on, right? You know, whether it's mental health, physical health, or their financial health, it's all, it can be stressful and relational health, you know, all those things. And we know, you know, as an example, you know, you coach the R Factor, you've done it in each of our sessions. It's been a, a top favorite in each one of them. And that very thing, as they learn it, it's like they can apply that in any area of their life. And I love listening to Brian that you had on here recently, you know, teaching that in depth. And I'm going to make a prediction that I believe your podcast is going to be one of the fastest growing podcasts yeah. in the podcast world. <laughs> You're super connected. People love you and and you connect with them. And man, they want to be on this, you know, and I'm honored to be on it with you because we're great friends and we're doing great things together. Um, but one more benefit is going to be the first wave of professional growth in the employee benefit space. So companies can offer it to their employees. Um, they can offer either employer paid or voluntary. And you and I are going to lead those mental fitness training series. And, and now it's going to be a year long program. So we did these where they were for six weeks or 10 weeks, you know, whatever we did, depending on if it was the athletes or the, the, uh, you know, the, the individuals that we were leading. Now what we're doing is we're going to go every other week for a year. And there's a little more detail than that. I don't know how much you want to dive into here, but we're going to do a full year. It's going to be 16 topics on mental, uh, mental performance. We're going to call it mental fitness training still. Um, and there's going to be 16 topics around mental performance. And we're going to have four bonus topics. That'll be fun. Um, or there'll be something just different, and unique. Maybe it'll help people grow in their financial you know, world, or maybe it'll be physical health, or maybe it'll be something fun, different. Uh, but I'm excited. We've got a lot of interest, um, a lot of momentum going towards this. We're starting it literally right around the corner. It's July 6th. Um, we're going the first and third Thursday of each month. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited about offering that. We can you know, put the email out there that we're going to you know, offer to people if you want here in a few minutes, but I'm excited yeah, about it. For sure. We need to give them the email and then we need to, I think if they listen to this podcast, like they should get a discount, you know, like they should get a discount if they've listened to you and I for this amount of time, they should be able to get in. And let me say this, I think it will help anybody. The one thing that I've learned, you know, from you and from others is there's, you, you should not get cheap 
around things that make you better. You know, yeah. like we will go out there and blow money on some of the weirdest and strangest things. But then when it comes to our mental health, our physical health, our relationships, we want to get tight, you know, and that is one thing that I have just vowed that I am not going to do, you know, so I do the, you know, the athletic greens every morning, right? That's $97 a month, but they say they're really good for you. I do the <laughs> whoop band, right? The whoop band, $25. Like I am going to invest in myself. So my point being this, you know, like I think anybody could benefit from this. And I know we'll have a lot of coaches listen to this and that's, you know, something that I think it'll benefit them personally a ton, but then like us, you know, they can use the same material and turn around and give it to their players, you know, and give it to their team because that's how it started, you know, was trying to make a difference with our team. How can we be better? How can we get an edge on the people that we play and how can we give it to our parents that would also help us give it to our kids, you know, that is going to benefit us. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited. Who would they, who would they email if they wanted to get more information about the mental fitness training that is starting right around the corner? Yep. Well, let me clarify. So um, it is going to be available to individuals. So I did talk about companies offering it sure. employer paid or voluntary, but it's going to be available to individuals. So we're, um, we're going to offer that. And the regular price is going to be $49.99. So $49.99 a month um, per month to be on for the year-long program. But what we're offering here to anybody who listens to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, not just this one, but if you listen to an, a Never Stop Getting Better NSGB podcast, you're going to get it for $9.99 a month. Mm. You're going to want to put in promo code NSGB, the number 10. So NSGB10. You put in that in the promo code. Um, how are you going to be able to get the, the promo code to show up? You're going to email me at chance, C H A N C E, at one more benefit.com. That's just like it sounds. And, and the one is O N E, it's the word. So chance at one more benefit.com, promo code NSGB10. And uh, yeah, I too take greens, but I take the secret greens. They're half the price and I think they're <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, this is this is a tremendous opportunity for people to get better. And what you've said, I, you know, Charles Schwab is known for saying this. So is Warren Buffett, two of the most um, financially successful people um, in the U.S., if not the world. And it's uh, what's the what's the best investment you can ever make? And they've both said it. It's in it's in yourself. If you make an investment in yourself, the return can be exponentially better. But people get to a point where they're so busy that they just can't even see the trees for the forest, right? And, and often, too often, unfortunately, we are sick and tired, but we're not sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, it's like we need right. to get to that point where it's like we're really ready to start turning things around and changing our mindset. You know, we have 86,400 opportunities in a day to change our mindset, to first become aware of our mindset, to change it and to improve it. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited that we get to do that together. And we're going to, we, we got a lot of people coming in on this. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, very, very inexpensive way for you to get better. So you can go grow your personal life and grow your professional life more. I've never, well, 
I've invested a lot of money in personal growth and coaching over the years, probably more than my wife really wants to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you and I both buy a lot of books. We invest in people. I've had a lot of coaches along the way and I've never regretted a dollar of it. But if we apply it, it comes back tenfold. No doubt. You know, having We're in this information age, but information is not power. The application of information is where it's power. What you and I are doing in mental fitness training is we are working with people to train them to apply the way to think better. And how do we do that on a daily basis? And that's what they want to be a part of. We are the exercise and nutrition for the body, for the mind. That's what you and I are doing and super thankful that we study Amber and Brian and Ed and other people that, you know, and, and our own experiences, right, that you have in coaching and I have in business. And we combine all that and bring on other people as well to help coach at times. And it's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to be a part of it with you. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I appreciate you giving them the code to get it um, a heck of a lot cheaper. So that's awesome, man. I hope folks will listen and sign up because – I know it's, I know it'll help, you know, like I would just about guarantee that it helps, you know, or, or yep. I'll, I'll, I'll give them their money back because I yeah. know that they will uh, benefit from it. You know, we've had so many testimonies to this point that, you know, I know it has the opportunity to help others and, you know, and it helps us along the way too. I'm super grateful that you came on. I'm super grateful that you shared everything that you shared. I know there was a portion of that that's really tough, um, but this is my hope. You know, my hope is um, that there will be people listen to this and their perspective will change. Perspective will change. Their perspective will be, you know, like I'm having issues with this, this, or this, but you know what? Eh, it's going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, things, things could be worse. You know, like we don't, we all have issues, man. Like there's nobody issue free, you know, like people don't share their issues with other people. People are not very vulnerable, you know, like I get that, but everybody has issues and we are all blessed in so many ways. And sometimes we can lose our perspective and, you know, like you are to the, you know, parent I was talking to, like your perspective, you know, like, and you give me perspective that, you know, we can overcome things, man. Like we don't have to be what, happens to us you know like we can be better and overcome and you know be great and find joy in spite of the things that happen so i'm super grateful um yeah. everybody well, listening it. man if you would share if you would give feedback and i'm a feedback guy man if you leave something that can you know help me be better i would appreciate it any parting words chance before we get out of here yeah, well, I, I just am excited and thankful that I get to be on this podcast with you. Um, this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. I've listened to I don't know how many. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting being interviewed. I'm thankful for that. And uh, yeah, you know, just everything you just said, I would just ask people to think about how could they just stop adding negative to it, right? Stop making it worse, yep. whatever their situation is. And uh yeah, I'm just thankful for you, man, as a friend and encourager and a coach. Coaches were huge in my life. That's why I help with the the football program, because I want to, you know, have it be a positive impact on those young men. And I'm thankful that I get to do that. So thanks for having me on. 
And I'm excited, man. Fastest growing podcast in the world. That's what this one is right here. <laughs> yeah, you know, like this is your first one. I think this is my eighth one. So it's we're, we're all getting in this together. So you're doing you know, awesome, man. I'm excited. Thank you very them. much. Yeah. Until yeah, next man. time. Adios, amigos. Have a grateful day, brother. All right, see you.